this is a little bit different for us, by the way. Normally, I'm standing up there behind the pulpit and, and, and teaching, but I wanted to change pace for this morning because we're starting to set a course uh, for, for us as a church, and, and in some ways, I think we need to make some changes and, and make some adjustments about uh, our approach up until now. Uh, but, but our approach has been basically attractional is kind of how it's defined. And you've heard us use that phrase a lot that we're trying to attract people. You know, we want to be magnetic. We want to have a magnetic church and have magnetic ministries. And, and we want to be the, the, you know, the kind of church that draws the unbelievers in and, and the, where, they, where they can meet Christ here. And love that. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, we, we definitely still want to reach out to you in that way. Um, but I think we need to make some, some strategic changes to that. For one, it's not a model I can sustain. And I just want to be honest with you, about a year and a half ago, I was really tired. I wouldn't say I was burnout, uh, but, but I, was, I was drained. You know, I, I, I really, for that season of my life, I really connected with Paul's statement uh, of being poured out like a drink offering, and I just felt like I had expended everything I had up until that point in time, and I didn't have anything left to give. And I think that actually produced things in our church that we're still experiencing up until today, where, where, there's, where there's probably a sense of that in a lot of our lives, that, that there's a sense of, I've been pouring myself out, and to what end? Um, you know, why, have I been, why have I been, you know, sacrificially living my life or giving my life in this way if, if we're not growing the kingdom, if we're, not, if we're not making disciples, if we're not growing up in Christ, becoming more like Christ, and and seeing Christ take root in our lives. And one of our, one of our strengths as a church and as a small church is that we have extreme flexibility. Um, a lot of small churches don't have this flexibility. This is a tremendous blessing that we have as a church. We can, we can, we can try things. And in fact, if you've been here, you know that we've tried a lot of things since I've been here. So I've probably failed a lot more than we've succeeded. And so right now I'm pretty good at failing at things, but we've tried a lot of things and learned from a lot of things and have, have actually grown as a church and in Christ as a result of doing those kinds of things. But we have a lot of freedom where we can, we can think that way as a church. And a lot of churches don't have that. A lot of churches are really stuck in, in certain traditions or certain patterns of thinking that, that a lot of pastors that I've talked to, they, they fight to, to step even, you know, a little bit outside of that. And so, you know, we have a blessing. I actually think it's not just a blessing. I think it's a responsibility um, that, that we have as a church to, to really trust and let God lead us where he wants us to go, to be the kind of church he wants us to be, to look like he wants us to look, and, and to try things in the process of becoming like that and not be held back by what we've done up until this point. And so I want to lean into that a little bit. I want to ask if you will maybe give me a little bit of grace. I have, honestly, I have a bunch of notes, and I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to share all of these, and then I actually cut uh, several pages out, so we're going to be sharing this in bits and pieces over the coming weeks. But um, I think we need to make a, a bit of a shift in our approach. Now I'll ask you know, if you can help me to, uh, to, like I said, give me grace. And maybe, I know when you're hearing something new or an outside-the-box kind of idea, it can, the temptation is to maybe get defensive and, and to, to put up guards. And I would just ask you to, to, uh, to keep those down for a few minutes and just really try to hear 
the content of what I'm saying. I'm not speaking to put anyone down. I'm not trying to, uh, to discourage anyone or anything that's been happening to this point. Uh, that, that's not my intention at all. And if you're visiting with us for the, for, uh, the first time today, I want you to know this isn't normal, so uh, we'll, we'll uh, kind of get back into a more normal routine. But, but this is something that's really been on my heart for a couple of years now, and we've been wrestling and struggling with how to make steps towards this as a community and live this out. And uh, just decided to kind of start ripping the Band-Aid off and, and just, just going for it and talking about it. And it might be a little bit messy. It might be unorganized. We might not get there all together at once. It might take some time. We're going to have grace and flexibility throughout the whole process. But we're going to start leading towards this and moving towards this. So we're not going to become iron-fisted in it. We're going to be gracious in the whole approach. But, but I, I want us to start thinking in a different direction. I heard a pastor say this, this week, that, uh, or maybe it was last week, that our approach in America towards, towards salvation tends to be that, that we want God to save us, we want God's salvation for the next life, but we don't want him to be Lord of this one. That, that we, want, we want the security of knowing that when we die we're going to go to heaven, but we don't want him to really have lordship over this life. And that we, that, that we uh, when, he's, when he you know, died so that we can live, we kind of take that to mean he died so that we can live however we want and we get God's rubber stamp on our decisions and our pursuits. And I think somehow we've turned the idea of church from, from a God thing, from a Christ-centered community to a, to a commodity that we're consuming in large part in America. And if you look back on the history of the church, and this is something we're actually going to start digging into more and more over the future, just to get a picture of the early church and how they lived out their faith, it's entirely different from how we're living it out in our culture. Uh, it, was, it was very much a community. It was very much an interrelated and an intertwined body that, that basically did what we've been trying to do, but in a different way. They did it through communities and house churches instead of through an organized central unit. And so somehow I think we need to go from where we are, which is kind of in a consumeristic, commodity-driven, me-first approach to church to a God idea of church, which is probably we first over me first. And what we are doing here as a body, I think, is a team sport, not an individualistic pursuit. And if you've been following sports at all, you know that uh, LeBron James does not think of basketball in this way. That he's, he's you know, he's, he's the big find for every team, and if he, can get on, if he can get on the right team, then he can shine. But I want us to maybe start thinking and actually doing some studying and research about how God describes what we are as a church and as I've been doing, I've kind, of, I've kind of seen a lot of things that I looked over in the past. We do this, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and the gospel is a salvation of individuals, right? I mean, we do get saved. God does want to save each of us in this room. That is, that is a true statement. But, but so much of what is shared out of the gospel, how Jesus lived out the gospel, and how the gospel became incarnated in the early church it was not just an individualistic pursuit. That's a part of it, but it affects our entire lives. 
Incarnation is a, is a church word, and I want to define it, uh, if, if you will let me do so. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So God, as we often say, God became a man, God put on flesh and dwelled among us. The Word became flesh. And so grace and truth, you know, Jesus is grace and truth. That is how John describes him. Grace and truth, although they can be explained and described through the intellect and through intellectual means, what Jesus did was he took that grace and truth and he became it. And then he lived it on this earth as he walked and he lived it out with his disciples. He lived it out in community with the Father where as you look through the life of Jesus, he's in constant community with the Father and in constant community through his ministry with the disciples. And so for Jesus, you know, community wasn't something that he just did out of obligation. It was his life. It was who he was. And one of the th- reasons I think we struggle with this a little bit is that, is that we have a hard time keeping God at the center of the gospel. We like to put ourselves there, myself included. I- I've definitely been there where, where I want God's grace for me and for my own reasons, right? I mean, we want God to save us, but it's because we want to be saved. And I think maybe in the American church, we've come dangerously close to putting ourselves at the center of the gospel, the gospel changes us. The gospel affects us. It is, it is what Jesus Christ did that saves us. But God is still at the center of it all. We, we aren't at the center of everything. God is the center, we, and we are in grave danger when we're making it all about me. And this verse that I've been sharing a lot lately is one that's really sticking out in me in 1 John chapter 4. It says, No one has ever seen God, but if we live one, love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this is, this is a, probably a big mistake on an emphasis that I've made in my teaching here. I've talked a lot about being the light. And, and we are supposed to live lives that shine. That, that is a part of it. But I, I think we, we've tried to do that in isolation. And that's maybe been the big focus where, we, where we've tried to live lives that shine, but we try to go out and do it in Lone Ranger style. But I don't think that's how God designed it. And when you look at the New Testament, it gets really clear that that the whole focus of the New Testament is on we, it's on unity, it's on coming together as the unified body of Christ. And that as we become communities of love, not just individuals who are loved, but communities of love, then the world sees love as God wanted it to be. And that's what people who don't know Christ, who don't know, you know, the love of God, that's what they need to encounter. You know, we've talked about sharing the gospel, and we should share the gospel, and all of us have a responsibility to share the gospel when, it, when we have that chance, but, but it needs to come up within the context of relationship as opposed to just something we're trying to share. And that when we 
need to share and live the light individually, it's sourced out of God's love communally. Right? Because we're not going to, you know, we're not going to all like work at the same place and, and do all the same things all the time. I know that that's not a reality that we're going to experience in our culture. But when we go out to do it, we're, we're empowered to live this life out of a community of love. And I think if we do this right, if, if, we, if we become communities of love, that people will become attracted to Christ because of the way that we love one another. In fact, that's what Jesus would teach his disciples on the last night that he was with them before his crucifixion. I need to find that verse. It's in here somewhere. John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we focused a lot on evangelism and outreach and all of those things, sending out mailers and trying to draw people in for Easter and Christmas and all of those things. And, you know, we probably will still will do some of that. But, but I think the way that the world is going to see Christ is in the way that we love one another. And that's what we need to focus more of our effort and energy on is becoming love as a body. That, that we, not just as individuals, focus on becoming God's love and, and letting God fill us to overflowing, but as a community, as we gather together as the body of Christ, that we also are becoming love. We've talked a lot about identity in Christ, and, and that's important that we understand. If, you, if you're still struggling with this, I'd love to talk to you more about it and help you understand this, but in Christ, we have a new identity. We, we receive a new identity in Christ where it's no longer the identity that we're working hard to achieve for ourselves, where we're striving through religious means to, to, to accomplish something, but it's something that we receive from God. It's a gift that we receive from God and that, that, that we start to become that and we start to live our lives because of what we've received, not to earn what we're trying to achieve. But maybe some of us are struggling with that because we're not, we're not looking at ident identity as it's defined within the context of community. Anybody know how to juggle? <laughs> kind of. I think juggling is, is kind of how we think about church and church community right now, right? I mean, I tried to learn how to juggle and at least my brother was teaching me and you, learn, you start by doing two balls in one hand, right? And you throw it up and you try to keep, keep the other one and then you can get a, get a third ball and then you can start doing this. And I never got the third ball in. I was able to get two balls going pretty well. But, um, you know, I think a lot of us tend to think of it as juggling where, where church and our church service is just one of the things that we have to kind of keep juggling in our really busy lives. And, and it's one of these things, okay, well, if I, can, if I have just the right number of balls in the air, then, then I can kind of keep it all going. But I'm not sure that that's biblical. I'm not sure that that's, that's how we're supposed to see it. And I think we've limited the, the concept of identity in Christ to just me personally, when I really think it's supposed to be a, a, a corporate identity. And you can, we're going to make some... some uh, 
investigation into this as much as we have time. By the way, I'm not going to try to get through everything. I'm just going to get to wherever it is that we finish. hope that's clear. But when we come into Christ, our identity changes, right? I, I am in Christ. I am a new creation. I am in Christ. So the old is gone, the new is gone. We've, we've spent hours and hours talking about that. But, but what we haven't talked about is that when you are in Christ, you are a member of a body. And that when you get baptized into Christ, you get baptized into a new name. You become literally a, a, a new member of a, new, of a family. You, you become baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and you receive a new name as a new resurrected being in Christ. Now you are part of a family. You are in something new. So when you're baptized into Christ, you're baptized into His family. You're baptized into the body of Christ, into the kingdom of God, which we're going to get to in just a minute. But instead of thinking of it as I attend a church, the right way, the biblical way to think about it is I am in this family. So we've talked about this a lot, that we are a family, we are a spiritual family, and that is how we think about it. But the way that we've, that we've been kind of structured and operated up until now, the only people that really get the benefit of being in the family and knowing what it's like to be a part of the family are the ones that get in and serve and do all of the work. And I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. Right now, our family feels really intricately intertwined with this spiritual family. But I think the way that our family feels about 6-8 church is the way that every family in the church is supposed to feel about 6-8 church. Like, our lives are so intertwined with 6-8 church, it would be nearly impossible to separate them out. And I think that is the idea that we're supposed to be pursuing as the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is not about me, it's about we. When I'm baptized into Christ, I'm no longer David, son of Jim. I am David, son of the Lord Most High. When you're baptized into Christ, you are baptized in as a son or daughter of the king of the universe. You're brought into the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6, we've talked about this one a lot. Once you start looking for this, it shows up everywhere, and I would encourage you to start looking for it in your Bible reading throughout this week. Jesus is speaking. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What is the one thing that we're supposed to seek first, according to Jesus? His kingdom and his righteousness. I guess there's two things. It's all the same if you actually study scripture. We're not supposed to worry about all the things and all the stresses of this life. And in fact, throughout, throughout Jesus' teaching, it makes it clear that those are the things that have a tendency to choke out the word in us. Those are the things that, as they become more important to us, they choke out the ability for God to produce fruit in our lives. That's not where our concern is supposed to be. The thing we're supposed to be obsessed with, the thing we're supposed to be seeking all the time, is his kingdom and his righteousness. So if you were to look back on your life in this past week, don't, get, don't feel any guilt, shame, or condemnation about this. Just think. How did we do it seeking God's kingdom first? Did we seek God's kingdom first this last week in our lives, or maybe did we spend more time worrying about our lives, what we will eat or drink or wear, where we're going to live, those sorts of things? How are we doing at seeking the kingdom first? What is the kingdom Well, here's a big biblical concept that we're going to try to summarize in a short amount of time. But the kingdom of God is God's rule and reign. Think of it that way. It is God's reign. God reigns over everything. That is, that is the kingdom of God. But it's not just over the things, right? It's not just over the planets or whatever, the creation, it's a combination of both the realm in which God reigns and the people over whom God reigns. And this is how the term is used throughout Scripture and in the New Testament. God reigns over everything, and we are the people of God's kingdom. So, so when we come here and gather together, this is a part of the kingdom of God, gathering together, assembling together here at 6A Church on Sunday mornings. The, the kingdom of God is much bigger than this church. We are just a part of the bigger kingdom of God. The, the kingdom of God is a big thing that encompasses the entire globe. But, but we, what we're doing here is a part of the kingdom of God. This is kingdom work. And being in the kingdom means that we are God's children. You're baptized into the kingdom and you're baptized as, as sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. And now we're co-heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God. That's how... We learn about it in Scripture. We, the gathered together, the assembly, the community of Christ, are the kingdom of God. The community. The community of people made in the image of God, coming together as the body. This is where it gets really great. This is a picture that I really love. Coming together as one body, the body of Christ, the literal hands and feet and side and arms and legs and spleen and appendix and liver and so on and so forth. The actual body of Christ in this world. We are the kingdom of God. We gathered together are the image of Christ for the world to see. You, yes, you are made in the image of God and, and God is about restoring the image of Christ in you. That is the work that is going on on a daily basis. But also we are the image of God. We are the image of Christ that he is shaping to represent himself to the world. And the kingdom of God is a now and not yet thing that we see 
in, in the Scripture that, that God right now reigns over everything, but he has not finally established his kingdom on earth. So Revelation 21.1 gives us this picture. It says, then I saw, this is out in the future, John the Revelator talking, says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the not yet picture of the kingdom of God, that we're not there yet. And as evidence, we can look at some of those things because those are still realities. There is still mourning, there is still crying, there is still pain. We are waiting for those things to pass away. The perfect has not yet come. But the now aspect of it is pretty much exactly the same. Not, not, not quite, not in that reality, but, but it's exactly the same because Paul describes it in almost the exact same way in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. We are right here in this, in this room. We are God's kingdom. We are his chosen people. We are his royal priesthood to go out and bring the lost into the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 6 says, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. We are, Paul is saying, we are the temple of God, of the living God. Right now, in this moment, we are the temple of the living God. That means us as individuals and us as a collective body are the temple of God. God is dwelling here right now with us in this moment. That is what Scripture is teaching us. In this moment, God is dwelling in our midst. We are his people, and he is our God. That's awesome, right? I mean, that, that, is, that is crazy awesome. That is one of the most amazing things that really ought to just blow our minds on a regular basis, that we are in the presence of the Almighty. We are his people. He is our God. And the call is on us to seek first God's kingdom, to seek first God's righteousness. We are God's people. We are a, a royal priesthood. We, gathered together, are the body of Christ. We are the kingdom of God. And that means that this has always been a team sport. This pursuit that we're walking in of becoming more and more like Christ was always designed to be a team sport. It wasn't ever to be this individualistic thing where we go off on our own and we become like Christ on our own. We hamstring ourselves when we think about it in those terms. Becoming like Christ is a community activity. And I think this is probably why so many of us struggle and fail, myself included, all the time. We leave this place, probably you know, rightly charged and fired up to go out and live Christ, to be the light that shines in the darkness as Christ has called us, 
but we go out to do it in isolation, and we can't do it because we're in isolation. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear, hear this. We cannot do in isolation that which requires connection. We cannot do in isolation that which requires connection. I want to share with you some more scripture to help illustrate this. We talk about this all the time. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, that's where we usually stop at the end of verse 2, but this is so important because it's all connected here in the same thinking. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And, listen to this, each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. But it's the connection of all of us doing what God has given us to do, the strengths that he's given us, living it out in conjunction with one another, that we're actually functioning as the body of Christ. See, the pattern of this world is different. The pattern of this world is all about me, right? The pattern of this world is all for itself. It exists to please itself, as I'm going to get mine first. But Paul says here, we're not supposed to conform to that any longer. We're not supposed to be conformed to that pattern anymore. We're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And yes, individually, our, our minds need to be renewed, but perhaps one of the greatest, the greatest ways that our minds get transformed is by the sharpening of our minds by brothers and sisters in Christ as we join together in community, and Christ becomes the thing that drives every part of our lives instead of another ball that we're trying to juggle. We're a part of a family. We're a part of a community. And this is where I probably have not done a good job as your pastor. And for that, I apologize, and I ask if you'll forgive me, give me some grace to maybe move us in a different direction. Because Ephesians 4 says, Therefore, I therefore, Paul is talking, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, Paul is going to do like he often does, take a little rabbit trail. And ascending and saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also, but that he also descended into the lower regions and, and uh, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Paul's a good teacher, so he can't just skip over something that we need to know. But he's getting back to his point. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, is how it's described, to mature adulthood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, to the measure, to the full, filled to the brim, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine as it comes along by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are supposed to be, as we are being filled up to the measure, being filled up to the full with the fullness of Christ, as we are doing that in community, in body, we are building ourselves up in the love of God. We are literally becoming the love that we're supposed to become. We are receiving that which we are supposed to live out. And where I have probably failed is I have not focused enough of my energy and attention on equipping the saints for this. Equipping the saints for the work of this kind of ministry, this kind of activity as the body of Christ. We focused on a lot of things and I've spent a lot of energy on a lot of different things over the years. I don't think I've been spending energy on any of the right things. Not many, I mean, you guys are all awesome. Don't take that as an insult. That's not, that's not how I mean it. But as I was working out in the garden yesterday and, and praying for you, the, the prayer that comes to mind most often is that, that God would grow us up in him. That we would be grown up in Christ. That we would become mature in Christ. That we would receive the full measure of Christ like we are supposed to be receiving. And I think something that is supposed to be done in community and in relationship that we're trying to do in isolation on our own is always gonna be a disappointment. It's always gonna feel like we're missing something. One positive, really positive and encouraging thing you know, that the Catholic Church has kind of hijacked and made confusing is that you are actually saints right now. Did you know that? If you are in Christ, you are a saint. Sainthood is not something that you achieve at some point in time and a committee votes on if you're going to actually be a saint or not. You are a saint. And, and Paul uses this term quite often to describe those who are in Christ, which is you. We are saints. And he says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You are saints. That is, that is the gift that has been given to you. That is who you are. Now, now, we work at living that out. We work at becoming that. But you are, by God's designation, by your identity, you are a saint. 
And our job as a church is to equip you to do the work of ministry. It's not to try to get you here every Sunday, which is how we seem to be spending most of our time all of the time. It's just, you know, we just really want people to be at church on Sunday, and right now it's a really ineffective and inefficient system because everything hinges on these moments that we're gathered together. And we get busy, and we're doing really good things, and I'm not condemning you for doing those really good things. It used to frustrate me, but then I started to see it in a good light that these are things that God has given us, and these are blessings that God has given us. These are investments He wants us to make, and and what we need to change is not trying to force and, and lure more people into being at church on Sundays. That's going to be important. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But what we need to change is how we are equipping people to do the work of ministry. So a big shift we're going to start making is that we're not really thinking in terms of outside-in church anymore, but inside-out. We're not thinking of our church and all the ministries of our church as attractional things where we are trying to lure people in, right? Where we're just fishing and hoping somebody's going to take the bait. And if we can get them in enough times in a row, then they can hear the message of Jesus and maybe they might get saved. We will, we will celebrate these moments. We will share the gospel Sunday in and Sunday out because the gospel needs to drive everything that we do. We need to be driven by the gospel, filled up with the gospel. But it is we, the people, we, the body, out in the world, living in community where people are going to see and experience God's love. I think we need to start changing the way we think about church. Church isn't an activity that I attend. A lot of us think about it that way. I'm not condemning you for thinking about it that way. That is the way we have been raised and taught to think about it. But I would not even say any longer that church is a community. That is kind of how we have defined it. Church is a family. Those are parts of it. But I think this is an identity that we receive when we come, when we're baptized into the kingdom of God. That when you're baptized into this family, when you are brought into this family here at 6-8 Church, this becomes a part of our identity. We are together becoming the body, and every single person in this room plays a significant part in being that body. I just happen to be the guy that's up here because this is the role God has put me in on most Sundays. That does not make what I do more significant than what God is raising you up to do. We together are the body of Christ. And it is not my abilities or my charisma or my strengths or my anything that's going to actually build this community. It is actually when we are all living and thriving in the full measure of the fullness of Christ and the strengths and abilities that God has given us that we're actually going to start to represent and reflect Christ to a broken and lost world. So I think we need to maybe start changing our thinking, and I'm expecting this to take some time, just like it's taken me time to start talking about our fellowship time as a part of our service, not something we're doing before the service. It's probably gonna take me some time to start saying this in the right way, and I'm sure it'll take us time to start thinking about it in the right way, but I think we need to start thinking differently. Let me ask you some questions. Who are you doing life with right now? Who is your community? Just who are you doing life with? Not, not thinking in specific in terms of church, but who are you doing life with right now? Which community has the most influence in your life? 
My guess would be that for many of us, it is, it is friends and family outside the church. And yes, we need to live in their presence, in relationship with them, so that they can experience God's love. But, but what has the most influence on in our life right now? Is it Christ? Are we living in Christian community at a level, at a depth, that it is actually influencing the in and out of everything else in our lives? See, we're supposed to be living lives that shine, but sometimes we run out of juice when we're doing it on our own. And we need a little bit of, or a lot of bit, of the community to live this out on a day-by-day basis. So we're gonna start changing this. We're gonna start trying to think of this in a different way, and I'm gonna start wrapping up here in just a minute. But instead of church being this thing that seems to, I'm just going to be honest, I know this is how some feel in our midst. Instead of church being this thing that seems to suck the life and energy out of me, what if it was the thing that gave life and meaning and purpose to the rest of my life? What if we became like the church in Scripture, which was an ecclesia? It's not a church, it's ecclesia. It's an assembly of called out ones. What if church is this community that I do life with in the other 166 hours of the week? And, and when I come on Sundays, it's not just coming to try to get my cup filled, but I'm coming as an expression of how my cup has been filled and a celebration of what God has been doing in my life already through the week. Instead of hinging everything on this one brief moment we have together, instead it becomes a celebration of how God is building us up in the faith through our connection to other believers in the body of Christ. And now as we gather together on Sunday mornings, instead of it feeling like this thing where we have to try to you know, get everyone excited and go out and live this a little bit this week, maybe just a little bit more than last week, it's this celebration of God is so real, God is so amazing, God is so awesome. I cannot wait to tell people at 6, 8 on Sunday, Sunday morning, all that God has been doing in this last week. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be amazing if we were known by the way that we loved one another? I'm all for systems and strategies. Those are very important. We need those as we lead a church. But right now, what we need isn't a better system or a strategy. We need more community. We need more connection. We need more relationship. We need to be loving one another in ways and in places that the lost can see how we love one another and that they are blown away by the way they see us loving one another with this radical, crazy, irrational love. And instead of expending all of our energy and our effort and our resources to try to attract people in from the community, and hopefully maybe one or two of them will be non-believers and they'll get to hear about Jesus, instead of focusing in on all of that, what if we just spent such uh, irrational amounts of energy and effort on loving one another in irrational ways and loving one another in a way that causes those around us to take notice? What if our walk started to change and our take notice walk was the way we radically loved one another as the body of Christ? And if our services on Sunday weren't just a rally cry to stir us up, but instead they became as much of a celebration of what we've seen God doing through us in our lives, in connection, in the week behind, and how we can't wait to get out there and do it in another week ahead. 
By the way, quick side note, this is, this is why we're doing Workplace. Most of you should have been invited to Workplace, and I know the temptation because several have verbalized it to me, and I understand that I don't need another thing to check. I don't need another thing to keep up on. I don't need another thing to try to stay up with. And I understand that feeling, but, but how would it affect even our approach to something like workplace if we started to think of this body of Christ as the thing that, that fills me up and fuels me to live this life, where we started seeing it as a ministry to one another instead of another thing that I have to check during the week? What if we saw it as a way to give the community of God, the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, a greater influence in our lives than the world has in our lives? And, and we saw that what we need is we need more of the encouragement of the kingdom of God in our day in and day out life than we need of the world's encouragement to go out and pursue our selfish interests in our day in and day out life. And instead of thinking of it as another thing that we have to juggle, we get in deeper connection with those who are living in community with and we start to receive and understand more of God's love and God's grace, and that, that our connections with people, instead of being those that live for themselves, are, that are actually literally sucking the life out of us, by the way, people who are living for themselves only go to you to try to get something for themselves, and instead we're going to people who are seeking to pour out of what has been poured into them, and we are giving out of what we've been given because we have received so much. What if we started thinking just even about workplace like that, but I will tell you it's going to take a lot more than an app. We're going to have to make some changes in our lives. Who are we going to live in this kind of connection with? And the reason I want to ask is I kind of feel like we've just been dabbling a little bit at the whole picture of what God wants us to be as a church. I don't want to dabble anymore. I don't want to keep sticking my toe in the water and seeing if it's warm enough for me to finally go in. But I want myself and I want us so deeply to just be ready to jump in head first. Let's jump in. Jump in the deep end right now. Just go all in on this picture of what God has for us and just, just go in and then let God teach us how to swim. I don't know all the ins and outs of what it's going to look like. I know we're going to do things like small groups and house churches and house communities and maybe missional communities and just all of those things and trying to get people together in relationships. We're talking about starting up Sunday school in the fall because there are some that have asked for that and doing Sunday school in a mission community kind of a way and, and looking at some of those things. And, and we're, we're, we're changing our focus in a lot of our ministries. The mom's ministry and the women's ministry is changing its focus. It's going to be really focused in on relationship and community, and we're going to talk more about that in the weeks ahead. But if for the next year of our lives or the next year of your life, if we were going to go all in on one thing, I'd say let's go all in on this. Let's put all our chips on the kingdom of God. Let's put all our chips on, on being the kingdom of God here at 6-8 Church, on loving one another, becoming love, and loving one another in a radical way, and just letting God, as we love one another, draw people in that need to see that love and experience that love so that they can receive God's love.
If you're frustrated or if you're discouraged or if you have questions, I'd love for you to talk to me about it. Um, I'd, love to, I'd love to have dialogue with, with anyone who has concerns or any thoughts or anything like that. If you have ideas on how we can do this, I'd love to hear them. I want us to move together as a body, moving forward as a body. God has given this to me right now in this position to, to lead us forward, and I've, I feel firmly and strongly this is where God wants us to go. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't want to hear you and I don't want to help you and I don't love you. I want, to, I want to help us move together in a forward direction towards God's love. So I'd love for you to talk to me if you have concerns or, or any thoughts. And, but more than, more than that, I just ask that, that you join me in a season of prayer. I'd like for us to spend some time together devoted to prayer. We're devoted to fellowship right now. We're making big efforts on that. But I'd like us for a season to be devoted to prayer devote ourselves to, to seeking God and His plan, to, 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 be, to be concerned with, with getting to know God and listening to God and letting God confirm these things in us, letting God speak His truth into us. And as He reveals these and as we kind of come together, it's going to be sharpened and made better than what I'm presenting to you this morning. But, but let's be devoted to prayer. Let's spend a season together as a church devoted to prayer and, and just like Jesus set a great example for us, listening to the Father talking to the Father, being in communion with the Father, and letting the Father speak and affirm His truth, His love, His grace in us the way He had in mind from the very beginning. Will you join me with that? Can we spend some time together in prayer as a church and focus in on that? Not just for today, not just for the next few moments, but for a season. Let's just seek God, and let's just let God lead us as a church. Let's make Him the most important thing, not a strategy, not an idea, but making God the most important thing is the kingdom of God. Someone said, texted in, live, live out like they did in Acts. It's exactly what we're hoping we become. And someone else also said, can I add an amen? Yes, you may, please. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, may we be a community, a family that seeks you first. May we be the kind of body that, 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 that is willing to put everything aside, all of our preconceived notions about what church is supposed to be and, and all of the things that we've come to know as church and just to lay those down at the foot of the cross and to only pick up what you want us to pick up, to be who you want us to be. Father, I pray that you would help us right now in this moment. Father, shape our hearts, shape our thinking, shape our minds as your body. Align us all in the pursuit of you, in the pursuit of God, in the pursuit of your kingdom. In any areas where we're out of alignment, when we're out of focus for what you have for us, Father, I pray that you would bring those to mind, bring those to my mind if I'm out of alignment with what you have for us. And I pray, Father, that you would give us all this mindset of walking humbly with you. That we would just have in our minds that wherever you want to lead us, God, that's where we're going to go. Whatever you say we need to do, that's what we're going to do. I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I will be whatever you want me to be. I will say whatever you want me to say. I will do whatever you want me to do. Wherever you lead, I will follow. I will go where you want me to go. May that be who we are as a church. 
And Father, just let us trust you that you're going to lead us in the right direction and that you have a plan for us that is much greater than anything we've experienced up to this point and, and that we know that from this point forward that, that you are leading us where you want us to go and we're just going to follow you no matter what. Father, I pray that as Jesus prayed that you would unify us, that you would bring into this body such a deep sense of unity, that you would literally knit us together in the core of our hearts, and that our lives and our hearts and our minds and our thoughts would be so interwoven in the blood of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit who is alive and active and at work in this moment right now as we sit here gathered together in the presence of the God of the kingdom of God, that as, as we are here gathered together, we, we trust, Father, that you are knitting us together as one body. You are bringing us together to represent Christ, to be the image of Christ to those who don't yet know. And Father, we pray all of this for your kingdom's sake. We pray that you would use us to build your kingdom, not only here in this physical location where you've given us this resource center, this community center where we can gather as the body of Christ, but that you would help us to literally be the hands and feet of Christ in community outside of this place on a day-in, day-out, week-in, week-out basis, and that people when they see us, when they hear us, when they, when they, when they come in relationship with us, they, they, they know there's something different. They know that there's some kind of radical, crazy, freaky thing about this weird Christian person and that the way that they love someone else is so crazy, I've never experienced it before, and I just have to know what that's about, that you would use us to reach people who are lost and wandering from you, who are out living their lives for their own, for their own pursuits and for their own agendas and who are lost and far from you and desperately needing a relationship with you that they would see how we love one another and they would say, whatever makes them like that, I want some. And Father, whatever we need to surrender right now, whatever ideals we need to lay down at the foot of the cross, whatever it is we need to sacrifice, so that we can be a living sacrifice for you this morning as your body. I pray, Father, that we would do that and that there would be nothing holding us back, nothing that we're holding on to and clinging to that we just can't let go of that's keeping us from moving forward with you. Father, help us to lay that down at the foot of the cross and to live lives of complete sacrifice, living sacrifice, lives being transformed by the love of God and a community of love of the kingdom of God. Father, deal with our hearts on that level this morning. Unite us together in the love of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.